It's that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy hump day to you. Another great day here in Louisville. Lots to talk about today. The media embargo on UK content has been lifted. So that's why you're seeing a sudden rush of all this UK basketball content on every different website, even radio shows. I'm allowed to talk about it now, too, on the show. So the the, the reason they do that, I don't know if you all remember, but about a month ago I went to Lexington and got to interview all the players on the team. I think a day later they did a John Calipari roundtable. I was not there for that, uh, but our boss, Brett Dawson, was. All that information that we got from those interviews uh, we couldn't use until today. Some magazines uh, do issues, and they couldn't do it right away. The reason they put the embargo on it is so everybody has a fair chance to organize it, make it look pretty before they put it out there. Cats Illustrated, we do videos, and you can read those at catsillustrated.com along with stories, so you get a little bit of both. But that's the reason why you see so much UK content going out there today. And naturally, you've got most people on on social media and wherever it may be talking UK basketball. Just a few days before Kentucky's big game against South Carolina and football, uh, people are talking basketball today. We'll talk a little bit about both. Look forward to talking both, having a nice little balanced show. There are some very interesting things that John Calipari did say. There's some interesting stories and little tidbits that I want to share with what some of the players I interviewed said. Uh, So we'll do all that, but also talk UK football today. We'll talk about what losing players like Stanley Williams and Dorian Baker and Drew Barker means for UK's game on Saturday. Obviously, four players on UK. Tymir Du Bois also suspended. Those four players will be out for Saturday's game against South Carolina because of a airsoft gun incident on campus. We talked a lot about that yesterday. We won't go into any more details about why that's wrong and this and that. I think that's a, a horse that has been beaten bloody. But we'll talk about what their losses mean for UK. And it means something. I don't think it means nearly as much as some other people. We'll talk more about that later as the show goes on. So nice balanced show. Uh, the Louisville-Syracuse line continues to plummet. We'll talk a little bit about their game on Friday. Yates, how are you? Doing fine, TJ. How about you? Oh, doing all right. Just uh, a busy day. Still haven't had a chance to get out on the golf course, but uh, we'll, I, I'm working on that for later in the week. But uh, you, you have spent any time outside on these on these gorgeous days? I have not, no, unfortunately. You've been stuck in the studio too long. Do we need to talk to Dugan about giving you a little break? Maybe. Yeah. I'm always down for a break. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyways, as always, you can tweet in the show at T Walker Rivals. Would like to hear your input, what you have to say. Yates, did you stay up for the Kansas City game last night? I did not know. I mean, I was up, but I just didn't watch it. I, I, I was really the care. same. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch it. I did turn it to the game in the ninth inning when Kansas City tied it up and had a chance to win it just because everybody was talking about how crazy the atmosphere was and how awesome it was. 
I, I uh, so I watched that inning, but then I didn't really feel like staying up later. Who knows how long some of those extra inning games will go? Uh, that one obviously didn't go too terribly long, but I, I called it a called it a day, uh, called it a night rather. After that one inning, it did look like a great atmosphere. I, I saw some highlights and clips of the game. Obviously, this morning it did seem like an unbelievable playoff atmosphere, and that's the. That's the fun part about those one-game playoffs, and you're going to see see that same atmosphere, <clears throat> that same environment tonight in Pittsburgh. I I, I kind of like the Pittsburgh Pirates because one of my good buddies uh, is fortunate. Well, he lives in Pittsburgh. He's not fortunate enough to live in Pittsburgh. I have no problems with Pittsburgh, but it's uh, you know I I prefer Louisville over Pittsburgh. But he lives in Pittsburgh, and his family is fortunate enough to be. Um, Big wigs with the Pirates. I, I I would say donors, but I don't know if people, if you donate to, well, I guess you probably do. If you buy season tickets, you can give donations uh, for professional teams. But anyways, they've got a pretty sweet setup with the Pirates and went to a few games up there and really got the red carpet treatment. Uh, so I, I've got a soft spot for the Pirates, uh, a, 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 losing, a, a losing franchise over the past two decades finally have some optimism uh, starting last season, making the playoffs and, and beating the Reds in that one game playoff, uh, ultimately falling to the Cardinals in uh, dramatic fashion. But uh, I, I kind of like the Pirates a little bit just because of the way that I was treated up there. And also it's a very passionate fan base that has been craving for success, much like the Royals that you saw yesterday. Uh, and finally, the Pirates kind of have had put together back-to-back seasons. So I hope they find a way to beat the Giants tonight. Uh, that will be a crazy atmosphere up there. Again, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. Baseball is just not really uh, super fun to watch if your team's not in it. I'll probably watch a little bit of it. But So we have that going on tonight. And besides that, we'll have to wait till tomorrow for for other sports. We'll have football tomorrow. My Green Bay Packers take it on Minnesota Vikings and Teddy Bridgewater. And as we imagined, well, not as we imagined, but uh, what we did talk about on the show that we did think that eventually Teddy Bridgewater would take over. Uh, Obviously, didn't imagine that he would have quite maybe the first game success that he did. Uh, Looked great this past Sunday. He's questionable for Thursday. Uh, Didn't practice today. Didn't practice yesterday, and now with, he's got a, a, a an ankle sprain that's not severe. And with having a short week playing a game, uh, playing a game on Thursday, I'm not too surprised that he hasn't practiced. You know, even if he was 100 percent healthy, he might take a day off practice because that's just what players do when you've got such a short week. But it would tomorrow's excitement won't be nearly as fun, even as a Packers fan if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't play. Now, on Thursdays, I generally go watch football games with my fantasy football league, as we do on Sundays as well. And majority of those fans, the members of my fantasy football league, if not all of them, are big Louisville fans. And you would think that Louisville had a a, a pro-franchise sector north in, in Minnesota that belongs to the University of Louisville the way they cheer for the Vikings. Now, 
I, I get supporting your players. I do feel it's a little bit of overkill. But they also know that I'm big. Green, I'm a big Green Bay fan. So tomorrow's game could it almost could feel a bit of a rivalry game watching uh, Green Bay play the Vikings. I know they're going to be talking trash to me if Teddy does play and were to do or were to have a big game. Um, and then I, I I'll be more than happy to talk it back uh, when Green Bay defense just swallows them up and makes things tricky for them in a very hostile, pumped-up Lambeau crowd tomorrow night. So I, I hope he does play. I hope he's healthy. Uh, Vikings are a decent team when he's rolling. I mean, that, they look like a legitimate, a legitimate uh, maybe NFC North or wildcard contender on Sunday. Uh, so hopefully he, he gets going. But that, that's kind of it on the sports preview um, outside, again, we have baseball tonight, NFL tomorrow. And then you look into Friday night with Louisville playing Syracuse and, and, and what that brings into the weekend, a much better Saturday of college football in the Kentucky game. We podcasted with Cats Illustrated today. As always, a good time. That should be out on Thursday or Friday, kind of previewing the, the UK-South Carolina game, more so talking about the suspension of uh, – the four players for Kentucky that won't be playing, obviously. Uh, Drew Barker, it, not not a huge loss. Again, at the surface, when you heard about the players that were suspended, you had Dorian Baker, Drew Barker, Stanley Williams. Those three guys, debatably, along with, uh, were three of the f- four most coveted recruits that UK landed in its uh, much acclaimed 2014 recruiting class. Everybody talked about that class. And those three guys were a big reason why. The other guy being Matt Elam, and you can make a case for some other guys. It was a really good class. So at the surface, where you, when you hear that three of those four guys were suspended for a game, you think that it may be the end of the world, or it may be a huge blow. Well, one, Drew Barker's redshirt, and he wasn't going to play in this game regardless. Even if Patrick Tolles was hurt, I still think you'd see UK go bring Reese Phillips in. I do, and we're getting close to the point where you're you're part of that. We we talked about before the season. Does UK should they burn Drew Barker's red shirt? Will they bring him into a game if Patrick Tolles were to play poorly or get hurt? Well, we're getting close to the point of no return here on this Drew Barker red shirt, and I would maybe give it two two more games. I guess if UK were to beat South Carolina, beat Louisiana Monroe, and have a good record going, then it's more likely that you potentially burn that red shirt later down the road if it if it keeps UK in bowl contention and and maybe even a a better bowl. But he, you know, I have been asked about this. I'm kind of getting off topic, but I have been asked if Kentucky, if Patrick Tolles were to get hurt. Would they bring in Drew Barker? Again, we're getting close to the point where, you know, maybe a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, it would have been more likely. But one, it depends on how serious the injury is. If it's something that may keep Patrick Tolles out a week or two, there's no way they're going to burn Drew Barker's red shirt just for that. They're going to bring in Reese Phillips. That's going to be their first option. They're going to bring in Reese Phillips, see how he does. If he is average or maybe even a little bit below average, as long as he's a little bit below average, they're going to keep him in. They're going to roll with him, maybe run a little bit more, not ask as much out of the passing game. Keep it simple. Don't turn the ball over and maybe hope your defense wins you a few more games like they did against Vandy the past Saturday. Now, if 
Reese Phillips was to go in there, turn the ball over, just really maybe not know the offense, look terrible. Then maybe you see Drew Barker. Maybe you see Maxwell Smith if, if he's 100% healthy. Maybe they bring him in instead. And, th- and that's if Patrick Toll's injury isn't a season-long one. But let's say Patrick Toll's is going to get knocked out for the year. At first, again, they're going to put in Reese Phillips. That's going to be their number one option, hoping that he clicks and you don't have to worry about Drew Barker. Now, Patrick Toll's out for the year. Reese Phillips goes in, doesn't play well. Things aren't going his way. Then maybe in the next two weeks, you'd see them burn Drew Barker's red shirt. And I think that's the only way you'd realistically see him play. So I went on a little tangent there, but people had asked about that. Uh, some people were disappointed with, really disappointed with Patrick Tull's performance on Saturday. And you didn't hear the normal Maxwell Smith, Jalen Whitlow debate, uh, but there were a few, and I, and I put an emphasis on a few, uh, maybe two or three people on our message board that questioned why Reese Phillips wasn't given an opportunity on Saturday. If Patrick Tolls has more bad games like that, Reese Phillips should get some series. Uh, that's just silly. He had a bad game. Patrick Tolls has been as good of a quarterback Kentucky's seen at this point since Andre Woodson. I do certainly think he's closer to Andre Woodson than the second best option, which would be Mike Hartline. I think he's uh, significantly better than Mike Hartline at this juncture. Now, maybe he's just been hot and maybe he'll cool off and he'll go against SEC teams week in and week out and, and it won't go his way. But that remains to be seen. At this point of the season, you couldn't be, you couldn't ask for much more out of your quarterback, especially given how the past few years have been. So the UK fans that are wanting to see Reese Phillips get a few drives, just stop. Just wait. Be patient. Ridiculous asking that. Uh, so back to the suspensions. I, pro- I promise I'm going to get on this point. Uh, not, a, not a huge blow, in my opinion. Again, Drew Barker's not going to play. So, you know, you, you missed out on him. Uh, he wasn't going to play anyways. Time here to boys. It's, that's, not a, that's not a big blow whatsoever. Stanley Boone Williams is, is the blow that everybody talks about. Uh, that's the player that UK fans are going to miss the most. And I just... I just don't see it. I, I mean, I, I see it. I see what people are talking about. He's a very dynamic back. He can make something out of nothing, out of a drop of the hat, just like he did at Florida in overtime. A busted play could be a touchdown if you give him the ball. But but Kentucky's got running back options. And right now, Stanley Williams is debatably at the bottom of those options. Miguel Horton. JoJo Kemp and Braylon Hurd, who's the number one running back, all three of those guys have more carries on the year than Stanley Williams. All three of those guys may be the more trusted back on an every-down basis. Now, Stanley Williams can do certain things that some of those guys can't, and again, I would say he's probably the best at keeping a play alive out of all three of those guys, but if things go the way that you plan, there's no need for for the flashiness that Stanley Williams brings. And a couple people said Stanley Williams is great out of the backfield. He can catch passes. That's exactly what you want in this offense. Yes, but it's not like Braylon Hurd can't. It's not like JoJo Kemp can't. And and Horton also can. I mean, he might not be your first choice when you're running a pass play and, and you think the running back might get it. He might not be the first option you go with. But he can do it too in a pinch. And I would say JoJo Kemp and Braylon Hurd are just fine at doing it. Stanley Williams has five receptions on the year. And yes, three came against Vanderbilt, but that's not a lot. That's a... a you can you can miss that. 
So I don't think losing Stanley Williams is that big. I think, as a matter of fact, you could lose any one of UK's four main running backs and still be fine. I think Braylon Hurd would be the one you'd miss the most because he's the most consistent, in my opinion. But you could lose JoJo Kim for a game and UK would survive. You could lose Horden, obviously, for a game and UK would be fine. And you can certainly lose Stanley Williams for a game and Kentucky's going to be okay. Now, I do think Dorian Baker's a bigger loss for Kentucky. But even that, I don't don't think is... You can't overcome that for UK. I don't think it puts a huge damper in the passing game or you got to change your game plan or this or that. Yes, you'll you'll miss Dorian Baker, but that just means somebody else needs to step up. And maybe that guy's Javis Blue, who's been a little underwhelming uh, this season since he's been healthy. And maybe he hasn't even been 100%, but he's certainly been uh, a little bit underwhelming. Dorian Baker was a freshman that I think ultimately could end up being the best receiver on UK's team. Uh, if not this year, then certainly down the road. He's caught at least two passes in every game. So he's been consistent. Had a touchdown against Ohio. Came up big in a couple tight spots against Florida. You'll miss Doreen Baker. He's 6'3". He's a big receiver. He's a big target. But that just means some other UK receivers are going to have to step up. And there's plenty of options. I think Ryan Timmons right now, I talk about how Dorian Baker could be the best receiver. I, I think Ryan Timmons is the best receiver they've got. You might have to get work him a little bit more. Garrick Johnson needs to have uh, a game more similar to Florida than, than other games throughout this year. But he, he second in the team in receptions with 11, tied with Dorian Baker. DeMarco Robinson, a guy that's been involved but not in a huge role. Maybe you go to him a little bit more. Blake Bone, and then again, Javis Blue. I'm kind of going down the list of receivers, but all those guys, if somebody were to tell you, if they were to look ahead and come Sunday say, hey, you're not going to believe that insert any one of those receivers had a big game against uh, South Carolina, would anybody be surprised? I think the answer is no, and and that's a positive for UK's offense. Patrick Tolles doesn't really have a go-to receiver. If there is one, it's Ryan Timmons. And that's all fine and dandy. Ryan Timmons is healthy. He's still going to be able to do what he can. But after Ryan Timmons, it could be anybody. And anybody can have a big game. And just because you're out Dorian Baker doesn't mean that changes much. It just means Dorian Baker is not going to have that big game. So I don't think those four suspended players is a huge loss for UK. I I think they'll be okay. I I, I don't think this should change anybody's outcome for... For Saturday, I don't. I, I haven't seen if it's moved the line in Vegas. I don't think it should. But all this, all that being said, you know, if Kentucky were to lose to South Carolina, I hope UK fans don't say, "Well, we didn't have so and so." And you know, some fans will, and that's just sports. But but that 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 shouldn't be the reason Kentucky loses to South Carolina. Clay B one sixteen text in. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Patrick Tolles is nowhere near a senior Mike Hartline. He's better than a sophomore Mike Hartline, but nowhere near senior Mike Hartline. Somewhere in the middle. Mike Hartline was never the quarterback to win a game for Kentucky. Now, he did good things. He was a great game manager. He was smart. He knew where people needed to be on offense. That stuff, I, I, I think he's really underrated in terms of 
what he was able to do in terms of being a game manager. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, I think he was, I think overall he was underrated at Kentucky. I don't think he got enough credit. He was never on really good offenses, had some solid defense at Kentucky teams, but he went to quite a few bowl games as the quarterback. But I just, I, I don't think that, uh, I, I think Pat, what they're asking Patrick Tolles to do right now is harder than what they ever asked Mike Hartline to do because they're actually asking him to win games with his arm, see the Florida game. Patrick Toll's role on, on, on Saturday against Fandy was the typical Mike Hartline game. Don't lose it. Hand the ball off. Make some simple throws. Let's get out of here with a win. Might be ugly, but let's get out of here with the win. Rich Brooks would have been thrilled with that win on Saturday if he was coached. Maybe not thrilled, but he would have taken it. And Patrick Toll's made a big mistake in throwing that interception. It, it, might, have got, it might have had the coaches second-guessing. Let's let's compare some numbers between Mike Hartline and Patrick Tolles. I know it's obviously it's early in the season. Patrick Tolles only playing four games. In 2010, he finished with a 66.2 completion percentage. Right now, Patrick Tolles is at 66. In four games, Patrick Tolles has thrown. 135 passes. Now you times that by three. Wow, this is weird. If you times that by three, that's 405. Mike Hartline threw exactly 405 passes his senior year. So right now, Mike Hartline's on pace to have a better completion percentage. Patrick Tolles has thrown for uh, 1,100 yards, a little over a, lunge, a little, uh, excuse me, a little over 111 yards. He is not, he is on pace to throw for more yards than Mike Hartline. Mike Hartline threw for 3,100 yards his senior year. Patrick Toll is on pace to throw for about 3,400 yards. 23 touchdowns for... For Mike Hartline, his senior year, that's not a that's not a great number. Nine interceptions as well. Patrick Tolles uh, needs to get more touchdowns up there. I, I will agree. His his touchdowns and interceptions are a little bit behind. But again, uh, Mike Hartline for a game manager, nine interceptions almost seems like a, a bit too much. But that's not terrible. But I do think they're going to start asking more of Patrick Tolles later in this year. So, uh, you know, I'm doing the a fourth of the season stats and, and having that figure out the rest of the season. They're going to be down in some of these SEC games. They're going to be throwing more than they have against uh, when they're up big against UT Martin and when they're trying to close out Ohio. And it's certainly with their performance against Vandy, you saw against Florida when it got when when push came to shove, they had to start throwing some more. And you're going to see more SEC games like that. So maybe I'll back off it a little bit and saying that Patrick Tolles isn't uh, without a doubt right now better than senior Mike Hartline, but I'd say that's close, and I think that's kind of telling that UK 
that a senior Mike Hartline is close to the same level as Patrick Tills. But there's no doubt in my mind that this the end of the year, and we, we can talk about this at the end of the year, Clay B116, Patrick Tolls will have better numbers than Mike Hartline did his senior year. So we're going to head to commercial break. We'll be right back here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Stick around. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back in your second segment, 1450 The Sports Buzz. Going to turn uh, some of our attention to football here momentarily. We can get back, or to basketball, excuse me. We can get back to, we can get back to football a little later on the show. If that's what everybody would like to do a lot to talk about basketball and it's kind of the like I mentioned earlier in the show that seems like what everybody's talking about and understandable with how much is how, how much content is out there right now you can go to catsillustrated.com and read a very long John Calipari Q&A that has four parts uh, again just way too much just to put in one but a four-part Q&A uh, that he had a roundtable with with a lot of media members. I wasn't there. Not a, uh, you know, uh, there's new information there. Going to that event in Louisville on Monday, he did mention, or at least touch on, uh, quite a few things that he talked about here. But it's going to – first off, if you actually read all the transcript, and it will take you a while if you do do it, uh, it's a lot of typical Calipari. You, you read what the question is. You might get that You might get that question touched on early on in his answer, and then it just breaks away into what Calipari wants to talk about, which is fine if you're a coach. I don't have a problem with doing that. Uh, he, he, when he does go on these long rants and changes the subject, it's it's what he normally does. And you can get some good information out of even those rants when he's not answering your question. But uh, So what he talked about, they're going to platoon. We'll talk more about this uh, as the season comes closer. I'm curious to see how it goes. I've thought about what platoon he's going to use, and and maybe they use the ones that they did in the Bahamas. But it, it depends if you want to make the. It, it depends what you want to do. Obviously, if you're going to platoon, you want them to be. You want them both lineups to be equally fair, but you have to make sure they mesh well together. So we're going to take some time to. To, to guess what the platoons would be. If, if I was John Calipari, how would I make the platoons? And uh, it's an interesting problem that he might face. Again, there's some players that might not 
play as much as others. And I do think when you get in, even when they do this platoon system, I think at some point in the second half, late in the second half, he's going to go away from it. He says that that might not be the case. I, I tend to disagree. So let's see what players are going to be in the platoon. Marcus Lee will certainly be there. Devin Booker will be in the rotation. Aaron Harrison, Andrew Harrison, Tyler Eulis, Carl Towns, Willie Cauley-Stein, Alex Poitras, Trey Lyles, Dakari. That would be 10. I, I would say that Dominique Hawkins could certainly be in there as well. But just for fun's sake, let's just do those 10 and, and see if I'm missing anybody uh, from those 10. So the question I, I think you have to ask yourself is, do you keep Andrew and Aaron Harrison together if you're actually doing this platoon system? And again, for sake of radio, let's pretend that they're going to do these lineups throughout the game. You're not going to change them up. These are You're going to have five guys in. Every five minutes, you're going to sub. No exceptions. So do you keep Andrew and Aaron Harrison together? One, they have the chemistry, but on the flip side, they're probably your best one-two options. So I, I think you do. I, do, I, I think you got to keep them together. There's too much chemistry there, and yes, your second platoon might be a little weaker at the guard position, but you can, you'll be able to get around that. But here comes the interesting part now, is who you'd play at the three if you did this platoon with Andrew and Aaron. Because on the flip side, you, you got to use all 10 of these players in this game that we're playing. you got to keep Devin and Tyler together, because you have to. So you might end up having to put one of See, this is why it's just not going to work. This is why Dominique Hawkins has to be in this equation somewhere. So I, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to stand for it. I've heard some people say that uh, Trey Lyles can play the three, and that's how the platoon system is going to work. Have you ever, has anybody, if you say that, have you seen Trey Lyles play? There's no way he's a three. No way. And John Calipari's talked about how Willie Cauley-Stein could play some of the three. No, he's not. Maybe he could, but he's not going to. There's no way that's going to happen. So I didn't want to bring an 11th player in here. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. But Dominique Hawkins has to be in this equation somehow to make it a realistic lineup. So that being said, you're going to have Andrew. Th this first platoon is going to be Andrew, Dominique, and that would be good to complement Dominique with Andrew and, Her and Aaron because if there was a smaller guard that one of those two guys needed to guard, you could put Dominique on him. I think Andrew and Aaron Harrison will be better defenders this year, but let's not kid ourselves. So you have Andrew, Dominique, Aaron. I'd say you'd want to go... Man, this is, this is really tough. I mean, with this front court, you're just going to have to have one lineup with three of them in, or you're going to have to do some sort of special substitution, which realistically, that's what he's going to have to do. And again, I'm not going to stand for it. I'm not going to play a three big lineup because that's not going to happen. And if it does happen, of course I say it's not going to happen. And there might be a case here and there where he has Marcus Lee, Trey Lyles and, 
and Carl Towns in together. So that might happen for a second. But realistically, he's never going to go five-minute stretch with having three bigs in together. So I'm not going to do it either. So Marcus Lee's getting the bump to the part-time rotationer. So he might be in for a little bit and then come out, which really defeats the whole purpose of the rotation and certainly defeats the whole purpose of this fun game that we're playing. But that's okay. So Marcus Lee's getting the bump. So with this Andrew, Dominique, and Aaron lineup, I think you got to put Marcus. I guess we need to pair him off is what we really need to do. But I, I, I think you'd see Lee at times in with this rotation. You'd have Lee and Lyles, uh, Lee and Lyles at time in this situation, and then you'd have Dakari. So this first team, which has six guys in its rotation, is going to be Andrew, Dominique, Aaron, Marcus Lee, Trey Lyles, and Dakari. That's what I would do if I was. That's what I would do if I was John Calipari with that first rotation. And Clay B116 is just tweeting and texting up a storm about Mike Harlan. And again, I don't I you know, I, I don't get to sit and look at all the stats right away. He says senior Mike had a higher passer rating than senior Andre. You're great you're greatly undervaluing his senior season. Listen. I, I like Mike, Mike Hartline. There's nothing against Mike Hartline. I, and I'm telling you that he, he got a bad rap for what he was able to do at UK and, and not being on terrific offenses. He, he did have the luxury of Randall Cobb. But all things considered, they weren't great offenses. And they didn't ask him to do a whole, do a ton. And, and you talk about him having a better passer rating, and he did have a really good passer rating. I didn't realize it was that high. You talk about him having a better passer rating than Andre Woodson. Well, Andre Woodson also threw over 100 more passes than he did. And threw for 600 more yards and 17 more touchdowns. So, yeah, he had maybe had a better passer rating, but he also threw a lot more. And with throwing so much more, he only had two more interceptions. So please don't try to compare Andre Woodson and Mike Hartline. Mike Hartline is underrated. We can both agree on that. But he's not better. Patrick Tolles, at the end of the day, will be a better quarterback this season than Mike Harline was, and he's nowhere near, nowhere near as good as Andre Woodson. Clayby says, Mike Harline beat a top 10 Spurrier team his senior year, three for 349 yards, 76% completions, four touchdowns. I do remember that game. That was a good game for him. They did throw him 42 times, which was uh, not, not the norm for a Mike Harline team. And he did have four touchdowns. Uh, Kentucky's rushing attack could do nothing that day. That's the only way you could beat those South Car- that South Carolina team is try to pick them apart in the passing game. And UK rushed for 52 yards. I mean, they, were, they weren't going to get anything on the ground game. Uh, 
So you did have to pass to beat those South Carolina teams, and that's what Kentucky did. And it was an unbelievable game for Mike Harline. I remember it. I was there. Chris Matthews was his go-to. Obviously, they got Randall Cobb involved, did a lot of screens. I'm not going to take away from Mike Hartline's game, Clayby 116, but there were a lot of yards after catch in that game. Get some of your players in space. Obviously, Chris Matthews isn't a guy that you're going to get run necessarily a screen for. He's He's a bigger target, but he did average 14 and a half yards per reception kind of a throw it up to him, he'll get it. I'm not taking away Mike Hartline's big game against South Carolina, but if you're going to point out one great game he had against a team that you had to throw against to say that he's better than Andre Woodson and Patrick Tolles, I'm going to disagree with you. And with Patrick Tolles, the jury's still out, so we'll have to wait and see. Let's turn this attention back to basketball. Let's finish up this platoon. So the first team, we've got the Harrisons, Dominique, Marcus Lee, and Trey Lyle subbing in and out for each other, and Dakari Johnson. The second team, obviously, that leaves you Tyler Eulis, Devin Booker. We'll throw, obviously, Alex Poitras is on this team. And that means down low, you're going to have Carl Towns and Willie Cauley-Stein. And here's the... Here's the thing. You know, the, the front court and wing of the second team with Tyler Eulis, Devin Booker, or, or excuse me, with Alex Poitras, Carl Towns, and Willie Cauley-Stein. Whoa, lost my train of thought for a second as, as more tweets and texts are coming in. Rob Blackhawk says we need to have Clay B in the studio one day and make it happen. Anytime, Clay B116, just let me know. But that fr- it's such a it's not balanced at all. With uh, the backcourt's not terrible, but what do you expect from a freshman Tyler Ulis and Devin Booker when they've got to run the show just them two? I think it could be okay. I I think Tyler Ulis is going to be unbelievable for this Kentucky team, but Devin Booker worries me a little bit. You don't have a lot of. Carl Towns tries to knock down threes. Again, I'd be worried about. But I do feel that if you're going to break up and platoon these teams, these are your best two options. At least your most balanced options, where one team isn't going to get overwhelmed while the other team uh, beats up on another team. The first team, you've got maybe a little bit of the advantage in the front court or in the back court while still having a very talented front court. The second team, the advantage is without a doubt in the front court. But both teams have shop lockers, have scores that can create for themselves. Should be decent on defense, both teams. So I think if you're going to platoon, that's the way you go. Again, Calipari talked about that. That's what he's going to plan to do at the Louisville Alumni Convention on Monday. He said that he talked to Doc Rivers about platooning. Doc Rivers told him that's okay. That's an idea that uh, he's okay with. But at the end of the game, you've got to put in your best players. You've got to 
you got to go with the players that you need, the situational. If you need shooters, then you take out a platoon that doesn't have shooters. And that's what that's what they'll do. Play B116 says that Andre's way better than Mike. He was just pointing that out. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page there. We're going to we're going to transition into our last break. Yates, there's we need I need you to answer a few questions here in this final break when we come back, okay? Okay. All right. So, uh, we'll head to the last commercial break. Yates is going to be involved in the last segment, so you're going to want to stick around for that here on 1450 the Sports Buzz. So, hang around. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back. One final segment here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Talked a lot of football. Talked a lot of basketball. Didn't even really scratch the surface on all the all the Calipari and basketball content that's out there today because we got I got into a little platooning debate. I don't know. I, I get Calipari's point. He's platooning for the players. You know, it almost feels like a he's we get that he cares about his players. He, we get that he wants his players to succeed and, and get to the next level. And, and that's nice to hear, but it, at some point it, it almost seems forced. You know, that come the NCAA tournament, UK is not going to be platooning. They might be subbing. They might be getting a lot of people that uh, a lot of guys getting a lot of minutes, but you're not going to be platooning come March. And at the beginning of the year, if you want to do it, that's fine. You want everybody to get some minutes and, and make their case and help them with their NFL or gosh, I'm all over the place today. Help them with their NBA dreams. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you're not going to do it. And my question is, what if early on in the year when you're platooning, you're having fun and you're crushing teams, although early in the year, the schedule is debatably tougher than later in the year. But when you're platooning, you're doing this and that. What if you're not building chemistry amongst different players? And I get you're going to have practices and practices. You're going to get to play there. But you also might want to practice with your platoons if you're serious about it. And what if late in the game, Andrew and Aaron are so used to playing with each other in this platoon system, but Aaron picks up five fouls, and now Andrew and Tyler, two point guards, have to play together. And how's that going to work? So I certainly think there are some question marks that we're going to have to wait and see. And if you're wondering, if I were to make a starting lineup for UK, it'd be Tyler, Euless, Andrew Harrison, Aaron Harrison. I don't It's so tough. Tyler, Euless, Andrew Harrison, Aaron Harrison, Alex Poitras at the four. And Willie Cauley-Stein. That's a bit of a small lineup, but that would be my starting lineup if I were coaching UK and we had to put our best five out there to help us win from day one. You've got a lot of scoring options in that lineup. You've got some good big guys. You're a little bit smaller, but you've got a shot blocker and Willie Cauley-Stein. Obviously, Alex Poitras plays very big. That's the most experienced lineup. 
for the most part. And then Tyler Ulis is a guy you just have to have on the floor because he makes everything happen. So that's what I would do there. But we'll talk more. I, I didn't necessarily get into a lot of the stuff that Calipari talked about and the content. And I, I interviewed quite a few players on the team uh, during this media embargo era or stage rather. And I hadn't really gotten a chance to talk about that. I interviewed between I'm kind of I'm transcribing my interviews right now uh, because I'm a procrastinator, but I asked two freshmen, Trey Lyles and Carl Anthony Towns, which game they were looking forward to the most. One of them said Louisville and me saying that you'd probably think, Oh, well, that's probably Trey Lyles. He picked UK over Louisville. He, Rick Pitino said some stuff about him wanting to be a one-and-done that he said wasn't true, this and that. He said, she said. But no, it was Carl Anthony Towns. said he's looking forward to the Louisville game, and not because he dislikes Louisville. He doesn't dislike anybody, uh, but he respects them, and it's going to be a competitive game is what his reasoning. Trey Lyle's most anticipated game is Kansas because it's in Indianapolis, and that's where he's from. That makes sense. Anyways, Yates, we're running out of time here, so this might have to be fast, but uh, for some reason, a lot of people that listen to my show think you're you're the best part about you're the best part about it, and I've even had some friends and family say that they appreciate what Yates has to say and his insight. That's awfully nice of them. Thanks. Uh, it is nice of them. I you know it. I uh, <laughs> I I think you're great as well. I hope I hope they like my show for for me too, but uh, whatever, I, it doesn't matter. I'm glad that they're listening for whatever reason it may be. Uh, so I thought on Wednesdays it'd be a good time to have a little ask Yates questions Wednesdays. Uh, it doesn't have a nice ring to it, but that's what we're gonna go with for now until I can think of something better for next Wednesday. So I thought, hey, I'm gonna ask you three questions, putting you on the spot. You can give short answers, you can give long answers to explain yourself. We're running out of time. Uh, so maybe keep them short today. So just let the listeners get to know you a little bit more because they like you. They don't think they, you talk enough. Are these like this general thing. life questions, or are these? It'll be it'll be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Okay. What's your favorite Louisville game, any sport that you've ever been at? Um, I think I'll probably have to go with the uh, West Virginia blackout game. I remember Football. that game. That was uh, uh, I, I was there for that great blackout crowd. Uh, a, blacked out crowd because of all the alcohol so that's great uh this is kind of a few questions into one uh where'd you go to high school where'd you go to college and what fraternity were you in because i knew that you were in a fraternity that's kind of my own question but i kind of forgot which one it was i went to butler high school in shively all right to the university of louisville twice and i was in uh, sigma alpha epsilon sae correct yes all right and then the last question, uh, what's the, if you could, if the meal was paid for, where would you go in Louisville to get a, a free meal? Oh gosh, man, that's a good one. Um, I don't know that I can pick one place off the top of my head, but wherever it would be, would be Italian. Italian place. I would, I would maybe say Vincenzo's, but I've never actually been there, so. <laughs> well, you need to go there, Yates. I know. All right. Well, okay. Uh, so we'll we'll start doing that. We'll do it a little with a little bit more time on next Wednesday. Get to get to let our listeners that uh, like you so much get to know you a little bit better. But all right, that was a good first 
first segment of Ask Yates Anything Wednesdays. Uh, we'll do it next week. But thanks for listening to the show, whether it's for me or the last two minutes of Yates. I appreciate it either way. We'll be back tomorrow. Remember Friday for the St. X Trinity game. Go Tigers. We'll be at Overtimes right by Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. So uh, join us out there. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow, same time. See you then. To my old Kentucky home, my old Kentucky home. Uh, they say welcome to the 502. Take the Georgia boy, show them how Kentucky do. Uncle Priest Classics, paint Kentucky blue. They say don't forget 27, no be hitting two. Song call it bluegrass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home. Take a shot of troll. Lay back in the